This is your Other Brothers Podcast. Brothers podcast. We are a community navigating faith, homosexuality, and masculinity together. From the jewel of the Blue Ridge of Asheville, North Carolina, my name is Tom. I'm so glad you're here. Joining me from the other side of the state, the city of Oaks of Raleigh, North Carolina. What's up, Ryan? Hello, Tom. It's so good to be back in front of the microphone with you. Back in front of the microphone for another year. Happy New Year. Another year, another season. Happy New Year to you too. And Happy New Year to the folks in Tundra of Minnesota. It's our other brother, Aaron. What's up, Aaron? Hello. Yes. Happy New Year to you and all our listeners. So yeah. Oh yeah. The listeners to too. Right. Happy, happy New Year, <laughs> listeners. You're out there. You're out there somewhere all over the place. Um, you know, gosh, this that's it. There's no more interest. I got used to last time, and now let's go here, and now let's go that We had so many people on the show last time for our big 100th episode extravaganza, and now it's just Tom and Ryan and Aaron. But this is, we're back, kind of back into our flow again. Three is our, our sweet spot, our magic number. Um, and we're just plugging right on, you know? We could have stopped at 100, but why stop at 100 when you can do 101, you know? It was good enough for the Dalmatians. It's good enough for us too. Um, episode 101, you know, what we're doing to kick off 2023, kick off a new year, kick off a new season of our community is a stretch of episodes that I kind of can't believe we haven't done yet. It's always been in the back of my mind. Um, and like many things in the back of my mind, they tend to stay there unless, um, unless I intentionally bring them out. <laughs> so um, what we're doing to kick off a new year, a new stretch of episodes is we're going to be talking about Yob's seven values. We have seven values on our website. If you go to yourotherbrothers.com uh, slash values, or if you hit our about page, you'll find it. You'll click some buttons, you'll find it. Um, we've got these values, which have been anchors to our community. Um, they've been fun to organize tribes around at our retreats that we hold. Um, and it's just been, it's been a very useful thing when we consider, Yab, what are we all about and who are we as a, as a tribe, as a, as a group of people? Um, these seven really jump out and have had a lot of input from different leaders in the community over the years forming them. And so today we're looking at value number one, one of seven. Uh, we're going to be talking about hope today. Hope. So we're talking about hope today. And so for these next couple of months of Yabcasts, we'll be going one by one through these seven values and talking about why they're there, why, why we value them, for lack of a better word, um, in this community, and just sharing both the community side of it, but then also the individual side of it, because we are three individuals on these episodes. I think we'll generally have three on these episodes, as we usually do. Um, and we'll talk about where these values land with us in our lives and our stories. And so that's a little snapshot of the episode today. And I was joking with Ryan and Aaron, you know, we're going to be talking about hope, but um, kind of the antithesis of hope, the opposite, the the tension with hope is despair. And that we can talk about that too. We don't have to necessarily be brimming, overflowing with hope. We can also talk about times of despair um, and maybe where hope has 
intersected those seasons of our lives. So, um, so we can talk about both ends of the spectrum. We just can't talk about anything in the middle. I told them we can't be lukewarm about this. We got to be one or the other. So let's, <laughs> let's mm-hmm. get hopeful or despairing. <laughs> Are you guys ready to do that today? No apathy. No yes. apathy. Let's do it. Yes. Let's do it. <laughs> I'm so glad you guys are back to join me on on, on the on the quest um, for another hundred episodes under our belts. It begins today. You know, we got so much good feedback. I got several emails about the hundredth episode. I don't know if you guys heard anything or if anyone mentioned it, but um, I don't know. People were just so sweet about people saying um, that that was their favorite episode or that they just loved the celebratory aspect of it or that they've been listening literally since episode one. Um, and now they got to hear 100. So I don't know. It's just really touching to hear to hear from people. And that was a long time coming for that episode. So I'm glad I'm glad it's out there. I'm glad it's done. I'm glad we got to have a good time. I'm glad, Ryan, most of all, I'm glad we got to hear from Weird Jesus one more time. That, to me, oh still, still stands out as a highlight. That was special. <laughs> what a blessing. Not just a highlight of the 100th episode. I mean, I'm talking about a highlight in my in my life sitting in this chair mm-hmm. <laughs> working in this community is this is so fun weird jesus pastor matt thank you for taking the time we need to give a give a shout out to him along with not just him but all the others who were so generous to reach out and um share some voicemails share some favorite moments etc with us it was fun it really was honestly that's that's what I was hoping for. I was hoping it would just be a fun time to get together with all of you guys and reminisce of uh, the last few years. It's, it was it was lovely. So Ryan and Aaron, it is as mentioned as of this recording, it's a new year. We're starting a new year, 2023. What's like the general vibe, if I may ask, going into this year? What is, what is your optimism level? What is your hope level maybe, if we wanna give a little teaser for hope in this episode? Um, because I'll just say this, I don't know why, I don't know if I'm weird or this is just how I'm wired, but anytime we enter an odd numbered year, I have this like extra pep in my step. I love odd numbered years. For some mm. reason, even numbered years bum me out. I don't know why that is. I don't know if that resonates with either that's, of you, but I feel so great about this year. <laughs> yeah, I feel like uh, even numbers just feel very calm and orderly and odd numbers just feel a little wild and a little chaotic. So I get yeah, that. I get that. I would agree. That's kind of how I feel. I think I prefer the even number of years. You prefer slightly. the structure or you prefer the tidiness. I, I do. I they feel like they just feel warmer somehow. They feel feel like a warm white light instead of like a cold, sterile one. Oh, interesting. I feel like we've stumbled upon a new like letter in the Myers Briggs. Like we we need to add a fifth dimension to the Myers Briggs to to say you know what, and it's it's sort of diagnosed by whether you prefer even years or odd years, but it we probably wouldn't call it even year or odd year. It could just be E and O, whether you're an E or an O. <laughs> but we already have an E, so we might do V. Oh, v, there, yeah, v that's and right. O, there, because that's how they do intuitive versus sensing. Yeah. Um, N versus S. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know how the listeners feel. Comment how you feel about 2023 or odd, odd slash even numbered years in general. I would love to hear from the listeners about that one, but I'm excited beyond the the quirkiness, the weirdness of my affinity for odd numbers. I feel legitimately excited for this year. I have a lot of personal ambitions and goals for this year and, and communally as well with your other brothers. I feel like it's just going to be a big, exciting year for our community. So I, I just invite everyone to 
strap in your seat. I mean, if you're driving right now, you should ha already have your seatbelts. If you're listening to us, please drive responsibly. But um, metaphorically, please put put your seatbelts on because 2023, I think, is going to be a fun, fun year. I'm excited. I'm excited to get there. I hope everyone feels rejuvenated from the holidays. I mentioned this on our last convo cast, but um, it's just been a crazy few months uh scheduling wise as far as recordings and content we had a retreat and then the holidays were upon us and so it's just been a bit of an erratic schedule it's not my preference i like i like structure and i like having a podcast every week um hopefully our listeners like that as well but um but we had a little bit of a break and so now the plan is to get back into this rhythm again as 2023 rolls on um both with convo casts and with yob casts and and like i said these next few months talking about our seven values particularly how these values intersect our sense of masculinity our sexual identity and our spiritual identity like it'll be very interesting to explore um where these values hit us across these different spectrums and arenas of our lives so um so i'm just eager i'm eager to explore all of that with both Ryan and Aaron, and then also with Ben and Will in these uh, in these months to come. Some announcements. If you want to be the first, I'm gonna try to make this so exciting. If you want to be the first Apple Podcast rating and review of 2023, the floor is open. It's in your court. If you're listening to this right now, if you're a new listener and you've never rated, reviewed our show, or if you're an old time listener and you've never taken the time to do that, you could have that to your name. You could be the very first one listed on 2023. Doesn't that sound so exciting, Ryan? Yes. In <laughs> fact, um, I don't know if you know this, Tom, but I oh. still have not rated and reviewed the show. You know, I think I knew that because I think you mentioned <laughs> that maybe a couple years ago. So you haven't done that yet. Uh, huh? No, I was I was thinking of making a big deal about it for the 100th episode, but I... Oh, you should have. Didn't. I, I decided to save it for the 200th episode. Okay, that's fine too. Because at this point, it's like, it'd be like if I rated and reviewed this show. Maybe uh, not quite the same. But I mean, you've been on, as we mentioned in our last episode, you've been on more than half of these episodes now. So like, mm -hmm. I don't know, would that be weird? Would it feel biased? Would it feel not like do I Do I have to put like a, a An responsible disclosure? Yeah, like a in the disclaimer. Review? Yeah, disclaimer. No, like... I appear on over half of these episodes. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if the listeners would care about that, but Aaron, you haven't been on half, so maybe it's more legitimate if you do it. That's right, and I haven't done it yet, so you haven't either. I don't know. Okay. Maybe Ooh, maybe, maybe it'll be Aaron a little... and I will be racing for this first review of 2023. <laughs> That's kind of what I'm thinking <laughs> here. First, I don't know about Ben and Will; they're not here to defend themselves. Yeah. But maybe this is a race to get all of you guys to rate and review the show first, and then the general public. Maybe we'll get the general public on board after we get you guys to rate and review the show. There we go. If, if you hear typing in the background, I promise it's just me <laughs> looking at Bible verses. Okay, right there you go. Right there you go. Oh my gosh, I just had a thought. What if Weird Jesus... No, I've already asked Weird Jesus to do too much for this community, but what if Weird Jesus rated and reviewed this show? That would be... I would die. I would die all over again. I've already died multiple times in his presence. But he keeps bringing me back to life because that's what he does. That's the kind of guy. That's <laughs> kind of guy and the kind of God we serve. <laughs> but uh, anyway, just putting that out there. It's a brand new year. We always appreciate ratings and reviews. They help, they help keep our show relevant and... You know, you know how all of those like um, Ryan, you're a computer guy, all the algorithms and things work like when you like one show, it like suggests another show that you might have that other people have liked and reviewed like it's all connected mm -hmm. under like the the mm -hmm. hidden wires of the Internet. So um, so it really does. It helps people find our show, get connected to our show. So 
Um, so we'd love you to do that. And if and if it's PG-13 or below, we'll, we would love to read it on the air and share it with our listeners in a future episode. So thank you in advance out there if you choose to do that. Um, praise God, I have no other announcements. You know, this is like a busy season in Yab with retreats and then the holidays and planning the 100th episode and trying to corral people to call the Yab line and all these things. And so I feel so good right now to kick off a new year. And that's like, I don't even know if that's an announcement to say that please rate and review our show. It's just more of like a, a suggestion. Like you can do that if you want. But that's all I've got. Ryan and Aaron, do you have any announcements? <laughs> Any announcements for the community? I feel like it's a pretty chill start to the year. No, I I don't like announcements. I just prefer surprises. So Ooh. stay tuned. Um, we have some voicemails. So we have the Yab line. I wanted to play two voicemails. Uh, if you have a voicemail to share, if you want to call the Yab line, you can do so. 1-706-389-8009 or send a voice memo or some sort of audio file to podcast at yourotherbrothers.com. Wanted to play this message from Ryan, not this Ryan, but another Ryan in our community, um, which ties well into the festivities of Christmas and New Year's. So um, thank you, Ryan, for calling. Let's play Ryan's message. Hey, Dom, it's uh, Ryan, the Canadian Ryan. It was uh, one of my highlights this past year in 2022 was definitely meeting you at the Woods Coffee uh, overlooking the ocean in Bellingham, Washington, and uh, look forward to hopefully attending the 2023 Yob Conference. Uh, last night, I was uh, praying with some Christian brothers, and uh, one of them was uh, had brought up the Yob cast, and that I had previously left a message uh, on the Yob line. And uh, the funny thing is, I told him the story that it was the first online Yob retreat in December 2020, uh, where I met uh, many brothers online. Uh, Afterwards, it was our tribe got together to love bomb Tom with uh, messages at Christmas time uh, for 2020. And uh, so that reminded me that Happy New Year, Tom. Uh, hope you have an awesome 2023 and things go even better uh, than they already are uh, with your other brothers. Uh, may God bless you and uh, your ministry and uh, love you, brother. Soon. Happy New Year to Ryan, to Canadian Ryan. You know, it's it's 2023 in Canada too. The New Year made it there. Canadian New Year is the same day, I guess. Wow. Crazy. On the West Coast, it actually happens a little later than it does here on the East Coast, but it happened there. So that was so fun. Yeah, Ryan, I got to meet this guy last year during one of my trips. And, um, and I remember that first virtual retreat well in 2020. Um, during the just before Christmas time, about two years ago, it was so fun to have a little blast from the past. So, um, just a fun, fun little memory. Thank you for that reminder, Ryan. And then I wanted to play this second voicemail as well before we get to our episode. Um, which I'm surprised. I don't think this has ever come up before on a Yabcast production. Correct me if I'm wrong, but um, somebody listening to us um, and needed to comment on my name of all things. So let's hear what he had to say. Hey, um, I'm just listening on the road again, like I tend to do. I tend to binge the podcast as I'm driving across the country, home from Christmas right now. And I'm a little bit behind. I'm listening to Side B Resources Part 2 right now, but it just occurred to me, I had to stop listening and give give y'all a call, because it just occurred to me that Thomas Mark Zuniga's initials are TMZ, 
And I thought that was hilarious, and I felt like no one had pointed that out before, and it needed to be said how hilarious and ridiculous that is. So yes, breaking news, everybody. My initials are indeed TMZ. Isn't that strange? Isn't that weird? Isn't that annoying? (laughs) I've experienced uh, a moment of confusion here and there over the years on account of that fact. I'm glad somebody else has, has noticed that and thought it remarkable. Yeah, I've never thought of that. That's pretty great. It's like, for those that don't know, I don't know if it's how how extensive their reach is. Hopefully it's not that extensive, but um, there's an entertainment tabloid magazine. They have like a TV show and it's it's like super trashy and annoying. Like I, I do not have a positive connotation with TMZ, this media outlet. Um, they're always trying to like paparazzi the celebrities or get the scoop on things. And it's just like, what, why, why do they have that? I don't even know. I haven't researched TMZ to understand why that is even what, what they're called, why they chose those three letters in succession like that. Um, nonetheless, those are indeed my initials. And so, yeah, it's funny. It's weird. And not ideal. I, I I would prefer a different connotation, like NYT, like or or I don't know AJC, like some something that connects with like an esteemed institution of journalism or um or a positive, yeah, some some sort of positive grandiose uh, collection of stories. But no, I I get attached to TMZ, so that's just what it is. But I'm glad it could break you, make you smile when you realize when you say my name out loud like that. It all makes sense. TMZ. So there you go. <laughs> sadly, sadly, that is my name, but you know, the Lord is good. The Lord's going to give me a new name in paradise. And I look forward to what that is. <laughs> <laughs> hopefully, hopefully different initials. Hopefully that tabloid magazine doesn't exist in eternity. We'll see. Um, that's the odd line y'all. Thank you for calling. It made me smile to see. I wasn't expecting that. I wasn't expecting two voicemails coming out of the voicemail palooza that was our 100th episode. So thank you guys for calling. Before we get to the episode, we have to thank our sponsor. You know, the sponsors for these next few episodes are going to be very predictable. Maybe safe is is a word that you would use. But, you know, we have this incredible artwork from Wesley Ayers. He did this artwork for each of our values. You can check them out on our about page, on our values page at yourotherbrothers.com. And so to sponsor the episode on Hope, um, thank you, Stars. Thank you, Stars. Not necessarily the streaming. Is it a streaming service? It is. Yeah. Oh, but <laughs> like not TMZ Stars either. Right. Right. What's wait? What's that? Like just movie stars. Oh yeah, TMZ. Stars. I thought you were talking about me. Like wait, what? I have stars. No, yeah, not not celebrity stars. Not the the movie playing platform. If that's what that is, stars. Uh, I'm about stars. Stars in the sky. Um, get out in the woods, y'all. Get out from your cityscapes and look at the starry sky. Sponsoring our episode here today. You know, our our value of hope. There's something like if you look at our, uh, if you look at the artwork to symbolize each of our values, there's always something that's a little off or something that's a little different. Because what symbolizes hope, it's not necessarily just the star in the sky. Um, it's a star in the sky blocked partly by clouds, blocked partly from vision. Um, because as we all know, in this life, sometimes hope is brighter or dimmer at other times, harder to see, harder to feel, um, certainly than at other times in life. And so, um, as we go through these episodes, as we talk about Wesley's art, as we talk about scripture that corresponds, which with each value, um, you know, I hope it gives you a lot to think about that. These are, these are layered discussions. It's not as easy, breezy, beautiful cover boy. Uh, it's not as easy <laughs> as just, you know, 
we have Jesus, everything's hopeful, everything's awesome all the time. Um, yeah, no, there are some cloudy, dark nights of the soul. And so we're gonna we're gonna open that up today as we talk about hope. So Ryan and Aaron, are we ready? Are we ready to dive into hope? Yes, I sure hope so. Ryan hopes so, that's good. I, I thought of that pun and then I decided against it. So I'm not sure. <laughs> I, I'm not too says. proud. <laughs> it's okay, it's all good. Tune in next week for humility. <laughs> We'll see who gets the humility pun. That's a good one. Um, Let me read from our about page what we believe about hope. Regarding hope, we faithfully follow the Spirit's call to endure the brokenness and the injustice of this world for the promise of restoration to come. We lament in the not yet, ever fixing our eyes on Christ with the strength and the light that he gives us. Um, And our verse regarding hope comes from Psalm 4211. Why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. And so I think, you know, it's kind of a lot of these values are because we've had a little bit of a journey for those that have been following Yab. There's been a little bit of a journey of like figuring out who we are. I mean, that comes with forming a website and forming a community and figuring out, having discussions like, okay, what do we believe and what do we hold dear? What do we hold precious? Um, so when we first started, we had five values and the five felt semi-comprehensive. It felt like it covered a lot. And then as we grew, like I think a year or two after having five values, um, kind of feel like there was maybe some gaps, like the Venn diagrams weren't overlapped or there, there was just a lot of holes. There's a lot of holes on the grid maybe that we didn't see at first. And so then we expanded to having seven values, which feel a little more comprehensive and maybe maybe someday we'll keep expanding i don't know i haven't seen any glaring holes lately but um but all that to say this journey of figuring out what do we value and what do we put on our website as far as our values go um something that felt consistent from round one to round two um, and i can remember when we were first brainstorming a list of of values to put on our site back in whatever year that was 2016 2017 um like i think i'm like pretty sure that hope was the first one to make the cut, the first one that made sense because, man, without hope, it's like, what are we, why are we doing what we're doing? <laughs> why are we sacrificing what we're sacrificing? Why are we following Jesus mm-hmm. the way that we're following him in this particular way? Um, like to me, hope just kind of was such a glaring one that needed to be on the list and needed to be first on the list, essentially. And so um, I think that star in the sky, I mean, it's such a simple metaphor and it's such a, you know, we just came out of Christmas time and there was debate about potentially doing this episode um, a month ago, right before Christmas, if I was able to get all my ducks in a row, which spoiler, I did not, I did not get those ducks in a row. So this episode's coming out after Christmas, but nonetheless, star in the sky, that's an apt metaphor any time of the year, Christmas time or, or otherwise, this hope that has finally come, that has pierced the darkness and um, and here we are now, here we are to, to talk about hope. I really wanted to do our best to split this up into three sections, talking about hope as a man, hope as a sexual minority, and hope as a Jesus follower. There is obviously crossover and bleed over amongst those three arenas. So this is not going to be, I'm not going to be pushing any buzzers if I hear Aaron mixing arenas together or Ryan. Um, but I want to just explore those as distinctly as we can today, because I think there are lots of different um, lenses to view the hope conversation. And so starting off with a man, like I wanted to open that up first, kind of work our way backwards, kind of start smaller, because ultimately our, our ultimate identity is in Jesus, right, as, as the saying goes. And so I wanted to like zoom in and then zoom out a little bit. 
Um, starting with kind of our sense of masculinity, our sense of a man, how we connect with the other boys, how we connect with the other men in adulthood, um, and what your hope levels have been throughout your life and, and kind of where you are now, even if, um, if, if you care to share and where you've, where you've oscillated between hope and despair, um, as far as how you sense your masculinity, how you feel connected with, uh, with other men. Um, and I think just to kick things off, I'll, I'll get us started because, um, long before I processed sexuality, I processed my place in in the masculine world. Um, you know, it was it was definitely the first tier. Some people process it in reverse, and they might process their sexuality more than their masculinity, or or vice versa. But um, I know for me, I um, I can just remember being a kid and constantly feeling the disconnect right away. And this was not necessarily for reasons of sexuality, but like all the other boys played video games and loved action movies. And I loved drawing and writing in my notebook and throwing a baseball to myself with no one else to play with. So like, this is, this is my masculinity. This is my world. And it was very disconnected from the other boys. And so I would say for like the bulk of my childhood and adolescence, you know, there was a pervading despair. There wasn't really a hope that I was on the same level as all these other boys. Um, And that's just my, my personal upbringing. I know there are guys in our community that, have the complete opposite story and that all these guy friends and birthday parties and sports and all this stuff. And that just wasn't my story. And so, um, so I'm coming at mask, the masculinity peace journey as a, um, definitely from more of the place of despair. Um, and that would be a journey then. Cause I guess the other side of that is just like my own self image, body image, um, how I viewed my masculine body, which always paled in comparison, um, to all the other boys in my class growing up. And a lot of the men that were just around me just always felt if they weren't physically, just objectively physically better looking than me, like they just had that confidence piece that I always lacked as well. And so I think um, a lot of my journey, I would say over the last two decades, gosh, has it been two decades that I've been an adult, almost almost two decades of being an adult. Like I, uh, I think it's been, yeah, reclaiming some of that lost sense of masculinity and, um, and I don't know, just recognizing that God has made me distinctly this way and just recognizing the beauty of the man that is before your guys' eyes <laughs> that I'm still still building on every day. Um, but I'm curious how like your sense of masculinity, yeah, like what your what's your hope quotient, if we can put a term on this, what your hope quotient was uh growing up in school, church, um, how you viewed your own body, I guess, growing up. I think this is the this is the part of the conversation I'm going to struggle the most with. I think I have not had a a lot of uh of emotion or hope wrapped up in in my sense of feeling feeling like I'm masculine, like I'm manly, but I but I think that um the body image question if if this is where we're going to fit that into the conversation i think that's where that's what i'm connecting with i think i used to um look around at the other the other boys the other young men and admire their bodies and really wish for um, a, a body like that, but I couldn't ever quite bring myself to hope for it because it, it seemed so far out of my reach. So, so far out of my grasp, it seemed like, um, there was, there was nothing I could do to attain that. And, and so I really gave up, um, gave up the hope to, 
to look like that. I think in my adult life, I have found a little bit more a reason to hope that I, I do have some control over, um, over what my body looks like. Um, I think it's easy to, it's kind of sometimes easy to overstate that, uh, that, that control because I think there are a lot of things about our bodies that we don't have control over, but, um, but I think I have started to, um, have a, a little bit of a hope or expectation that yes, actually, like my my diet, my working out does um, do, does give me a little bit of uh, something that I can work for, something that I can hope for, and um, and 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 it's been sort of this journey of navigating what what can I hope for. Um, I feel like this question, "What can I hope for?" is going to keep coming up for me in this conversation because that's that's a question that I keep coming back to in all of these. Um, in all of these facets of faith, sexuality, and masculinity. Um, and, and really this question of what can I hope for uh, is the source of a lot of um, maybe overthinking or anxiety for me. I'm just trying to figure out, I don't want to hope for too much because I'm just going to get disappointed. But you, gotta, you have to have something to hope for, right? You know, like, or else you're just going to feel directionless and like you don't, uh, you're just going to sink into despair. Yeah. I mean, that's very astute the way, like it hurts to hope it hurts, it hurts to hope for too many things or for like mm-hmm. too specific mm-hmm. of the things. And I know that's where a lot of, um, a lot of people in our community have been burned by the pray the gay away, uh, concept of like hoping that God might make me straight or might make, take this away or replace it with something else. And then that specific answer to prayer does not happen. And it produces then, What's again the antithesis of hope? It's it's the despair piece. It's the 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 sense of a loss that was could never be recovered. And so, um, so yeah, no, I, I it's it's struggle. It's, it's a struggle to discern like what is there to hope for. But that uh, you said it so well that we have to hope in something. We have to hope for something beyond beyond this right now. What about you, Aaron? Tell us about little adolescent Aaron. <laughs> well, I would just say first, um, I think Ryan really said it well in the sense of, you know, we have to be mindful of what we hope for um, because it's so easy to put our hope in things that don't deserve our hope. Um, and that kind of like what you said, Tom, where people misplace their hope in becoming straight or other things. And uh, instead of finding beauty in difficulty, just getting rid of the difficulty, just becoming straight. And um, that's that's important. You know, we just put, we put hope in all sorts of things. And I think growing up, we certainly do that a lot. Um, many of us have put hope in, you know, looking a certain way or acting a certain way or being good at a certain thing, like getting us the popularity that we wanted or the affirmation of our peers that we wanted, um, or making us more comfortable in our skin. Um, and in some sense, like it's multi-layered how, how problematic our hope is because we're hoping for things to get us places. It probably never can. Like there are certain people who, um, you can work out a lot and you're not going to see results the same way another person is going to. Um, but also there's this hope that somehow magically, you know, you're just going to end up getting 
getting popularity from this thing. And once you get there, you might find out that the popularity was the wrong thing to hope for too. And it just goes on and on. Um, for myself, I, I didn't struggle a lot with masculinity, at least not consciously growing up. Um, I certainly didn't feel like I fit in with my peers throughout the years. Um, mostly because, you know, either I just felt different from a lot of guys or I, wasn't able to sit and just commentate on women, you know, uh, who you like, who's pretty, who isn't all that sort of stuff. Like that's such a bonding thing for men uh, growing up, obviously it can be a problem, but it can be, you know, a good common ground as well. Um, but I always had a lot of guy friends and I was certainly more of the nerd than the jock. And I think I always would have liked to be more athletic or look at least more like an athlete. Um, but, you know, working out and stuff didn't necessarily get me there. So, like, you know, I was always tall and lanky and thin, uh, which was great because I could eat what I wanted. But I also didn't, like, fill out working out or being active. Yeah, I think I'd be the reverse of you, Tom, of kind of thinking about my sexuality much more than I ever thought about my masculinity. And kind of coming back to masculinity on the other side of it, thinking about, like, how how I can see in my childhood that some of my experience was just maybe more masculinity than sexuality, but um, I'm not sure that I, I don't know which is the chicken and the egg, right? Like, was it my sexuality that made me have trouble with my masculinity or was my masculinity just amplifying my struggles with my sexuality? I'm not sure, but um, yeah, it's interesting. That is a fun thought experiment. Fun. I don't know if fun's the right adjective, but it, it's a thought experiment. It's a thought experiment nonetheless. Um, yeah. And like, it's been years since this was the running joke on the Yobcast, Ryan, but you know, we did CrossFit at the same time. What a glorious stretch of time that was when, when you and I were mm. CrossFitters, yeah. but I joke about it, but I mean, that was a really significant part of my life where I felt like I could belong in a gym where like weights are lifted and bars are happening and not like alcohol bars, but like metal bars going on your backs and squats and things like that. Things like that was that whole world was completely foreign to me. And absolutely those first couple of CrossFit workouts, I was like, what am I doing here? I am out of my league. I'm out of my element, finishing last on every workout, like always at the bottom, always coming in. But, but it was just like, there was something, no one rejected me for it. It was a safe place to not even fail. Like I wouldn't use the language of fail. Just it was a safe place to come in last and to be the lowest, you know, weight person, um, working out because, because up until that time, like the gym, like the gym, if it wasn't me just toddling into a gym, trying to figure out how to sit on this machine and how to move this thing this way, like having people there instruct me and correct me and believe me, I was corrected so many times about my form and about how to do it right. Um, like to me, that gave me such a sense of hope that I could, like if I want to, like I don't have to, this isn't like a requirement for anyone to reclaim a sense of masculinity. But for me, like that was really helpful to be like, I don't just have to run because up until, you know, up until that time, like running was kind of my big physical accomplishment, you know, run a couple half marathons and ran cross country and track in high school. And it was kind of, you know, it's, it's not lame. I running is hard work. Running is very mentally difficult. So I'm proud of myself for having that identity as a runner, but, um, but it always felt so safe. And so like, oh yeah, that's Tom runs. Cause he doesn't go, he can't go to the gym. He doesn't belong there with all the people who know what they're doing. Um, and it was just like a sense of hope to, to, to feel like I could go into an environment like that and, 
and learn what I'm doing and, and take that with me moving forward, whether I ever do CrossFit again or not, or um, I'll have to tell, we don't have time on this episode, but I've joined a new gym that's very CrossFit-y. So, um, so there's a sense of like, I can belong there and it's not as daunting as, as it once was. And so that's something that, um, that has given me a lot of hope after just having a very um, strained relationship with the gym and the locker room's another story, but just focusing on the gym aspect of it, like that's, um, that's definitely a shining light, I would say, a point of growth over the last few years. Because it's like, in addition to the working out, this was the follow-up to that, was um, the body image piece. Because I've always been, you know, Aaron, Aaron, I guess I'm kind of like the six-inch shorter version of you in that sense. Like, eating, I can eat whatever I want, and I've never really fluctuated in weight. And I've just been kind of lanky and just kind of whatever, not much muscle mass, again, just by virtue of I run all the time growing up and don't work out or don't build any muscle. That's kind of my, my sense of body image. And it just, I don't know, it wasn't, I didn't like my body. I felt I was constantly comparing to the other boys and, and the other men around me. And it just always felt like I was a smaller version of what I could be or what, what, or maybe not what I could be. Maybe, maybe at the time I didn't think I could be, you know, any bigger or any more confident than I was. Cause I just felt very insecure and very, very not confident. And so, um, so in addition to just feeling like I could belong in a gym and and in a weight room and and knowing what I'm doing, like I think it also just helped when I noticed not glaring results, but some results. Like I will say, there were some results that I hold to to this day, which I'm grateful for. Um, and that's kind of helped me view my body, view my masculinity, view my relationship with other men and in something of a healthier, more optimistic way. Um, I think as we continue to bop around this conversation, sexuality is a big one that we can land on for a little bit. Um, tell me a story. You guys can jump wherever you want, but tell me a story of hope and or despair with, um, with sexuality. Maybe Aaron, I'll go to you first. Cause you referenced processing sexuality before masculinity. And I can remember at least one or two conversations on the podcast where you like searched YouTube videos because you were just like so ahead of your time, um, of getting on the internet and talking to figuring out gay Christianity and what that looked like. So, um, so yeah, what's been a little bit of your snapshot of your journey with hope and despair um, regarding your sexuality? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I grew up in a church that wasn't afraid to talk about difficult topics. We went verse by verse. So difficult topics naturally came up. Um, however, they didn't necessarily get into uh, as much depth as I needed, uh, particularly in the area of sexuality. Um, so I struggled a lot because my church kind of just left it at it's a sin to be gay and I was left to work out the rest on my own and the one resource they offered was about uh, an ex-gay person who became straight and so for a while I definitely put my hope in becoming straight someday and my thinking with it I mean I certainly despaired whenever little blips of like remembering I was gay popped up in my head it was it was not a pleasant thought but I had some hope in the fact that I could bury that deep, deep down and take it to my grave because at some point I become straight. And I sort of hoped in this idea of not having to fully deal with it or have it ever really become a part of my life or people's association with me. Um, as I kind of got further on in college, especially God kind of peeled back those layers and it's sort of funny because he sort of destroyed my hope before he built it back up. And um, 
I, you know, had this encounter, I think I've talked about before in some way, shape or form with Christopher Yuan. He came and spoke in our, our, um, our chapel at school. And, uh, you know, he talked about sexuality and his, his journey, like from being, um, gay to becoming a Christian. But in his case, he didn't really get into like, I was gay as one person and I was Christian as another. And like, I became straight, um, in that, that Christian sense. And it kind of got my wheels turning about this possibility of like being gay for the long run and having to figure out like how to hold hope in the middle of it. Um, so a big reflection point for me with my sexuality and hope and kind of a moment of despair was when the Supreme Court legalized same-sex marriage. Because uh, I felt very torn. Like part of me was so happy on that day. Part of me was just utterly destroyed. And for a lot of different reasons, like each of those things. Um, I was happy because I thought, you know, maybe at some point that meant churches would move past the marriage issue and start talking about things that might be more helpful to me, you know, a Christian who was trying to be celibate. Um, and I was also happy in some sense, cause like part of me was sitting there going, yeah, gay people should be able to marry. And maybe someday that I can have that and that'll be great. And, um, just in that moment, I was thinking about like, this is so hard. Like this, this journey is so hard. And like, that's one barrier removed. Like in some ways that was despair for me because I was going like, this is, this is now an option for me. Like I could go get married to the same sex. And, um, my mom had this little Max Lucado flip calendar and it was so encouraging. This is where the hope comes in. Um, I I'll pull it up here real quick. Cause, uh, I read it and it gave me some hope. So, uh, this was from June 26, 2015, although the year doesn't really matter. And, uh, the verse for this was God is strong and can help you not to fall. It said, you and I are on a great climb. You took your first step the day you confessed Christ as the son of God. He gave you his harness, the Holy Spirit. In your hands, he placed a rope, his word. Your first steps were confident and strong, but with the journey came weariness and with the height came fear. You lost your footing. For a moment, which seemed like forever, you tumbled wildly, but then the rope tightened and the tumble ceased. And though you can't see your guide, you know him. You know he is strong. You know that he is able to keep you from falling. And like my big struggle that day was like thinking about how it just sort of felt inevitable that at some point I was going to become affirming in my theology and just go down that path because I saw other people doing it um, in the side mm -hmm. B world. And that verse was so encouraging to me because it kind of took it took some of the ownership out of my hands and like put it back into God where as long as I'm yielding to God, like I know my guide, I know that he's the one who has the power to keep me from falling and can give me hope. And here I am, what, like eight years later and I'm still on this journey and feeling better about it than ever. And, um, that's really beautiful. Like those things give me hope then for the next moment of hopelessness. And I feel like hope compounds upon hope in our faith journey and our sexuality. Mm -hmm. That's beautiful way to bring in some current events. Not so, not so current events, I guess, history now, history now, like for those, I wanted to interrupt for those that weren't Americans or 
um, or just have no sense of history. But yes, Aaron was referring to the U.S. Supreme Court decision of 2015. I remember where I was. I was living in Charlotte at the time, and I had that same twofold reaction of like, finally, like this was coming. Let's just move on. Let's get it over with and move on. And there's a sense of relief, but then... But then just, yeah, kind of this despair because it's just like such a culture war issue for in Christianity, which I've grown up in the Christian bubble my whole life. So I felt like I was like inheriting some of that. And and I've come a long way, I guess, in seven, eight years since that summer. But it was a lot of conflicting, yeah, hopeful, despairing feelings. And you, uh, you put the nail on the head on a lot on a lot of those back there and how that ties into your life. Thank you for for sharing a little snapshot. Very well said. What about you, Ryan? Tell us. Tell us about your sexuality <laughs> and your hope and your despair <laughs> You haven't done it enough for 50-some episodes yeah. now. Well, I, I was going to say, I feel like there's not a lot I can say that hasn't that I haven't already said on the podcast, but it is, um, you know, maybe helpful to put it all in one place, talking about hope. Um, with that being said, um, I guess I'll start. I like what you said, Aaron, about God breaking down your hope and building it back up again. And I think um, I have seen something like that in my life where I have had to lose hope or let go of hope in some things, but I have found that there is more to hope for than I ever thought in in other, in a different direction. Um, I'm thinking of for a long time, I sort of went from, went from like straight guy friend to straight guy friend looking for someone to fill this like boyfriend shaped hole in my heart to use a a pretty bad, um, metaphor. Hmm. And, um, and each time I was hoping for something, I was, and I, and I knew that it probably wasn't going to happen, but Hope is, uh, you might have to believe this all the time, but hope is a bitch. Like it, you, it just like grabs onto you and it's almost like you, you sometimes in some ways, I think we can choose what we hope for, but in some ways it, it almost feels like it's not a choice. Um, like that I, that I hope for this kind of relationship with this guy even though I kind of know it's not going to happen. It's a little like, it's a little like doubt, you know, hope, hope and doubt are sort of opposites. Doubt can sort of grip you and, um, and, and it can, it can sort of, um, yeah, you, you know, it, it can sort of like hold on to you in a way that you don't really have much of a choice over. Um, and, and hope can be like that too. Um, any, anyway, so after, um, after this, uh, long, the series of very fun and extremely cool situations. Um, I sort of realized that, well, well, the, the hope sort of died. I was like, I, I am seeing now that I can't hope for this anymore. Um, I don't know what to hope for instead, but I can't hope for that. And, um, and so my life shifted to trying to take, sort of the, the, the men closest to me in my church community, um, like my, my small group, I will study the guys there trying to take them and, and put them all sort of collectively in that, in that boyfriend shaped hole in my life. And that didn't work out much better. 
because none of them, uh, none of them wanted to really be there and none of them wanted to work together, um, to, to take care of me in the way I wanted to be taken care of and pursue me in the way I wanted to be pursued. And so, um, and so that was another, another moment where I had to like, everything sort of had to come to a head and I had that hope had to die. Like I had to let go of that hope. Um, and, and say again, like, well, I don't know what to hope for. Um, but I can't hope for that anymore. Um, and, and in that process, I feel like God has cultivated a different hope in me in, um, in, in some of the friendships I've made through Yob and the, the side B community and shown me that, um, that there are ways that he's working to, to provide for me, to provide for my emotional and social needs, my needs for intimacy, my needs for commitment, my needs for relationship. Um, you know, a lot of, a lot of the, uh, fear in my life, a lot of the anxiety kind of long-term fear and anxiety in my life has been around, well, what's my life going to look like when I'm 50, when I'm 60, when I'm 70, you know, as I get older, who's going to be there with me? Am I just going to be the creepy guy living alone in the corner, you know? Um, or, or am I going to have people who I'm doing life with and thriving with? And, um, and, you know, like we talk about a lot in this podcast, there aren't great scripts for that in our society. Um, anyone who is, uh, it just seems like so many people who are, who are, who are thriving are doing so in, in like a very specific kind of set of circumstances, a very specific pathway of life. And, um, and so it, it's always been sort of hard to imagine like, what, what can I hope for here? What can I hope for, uh, when I'm 50, when I'm 60, when I'm 70? Um, I've, I've said this before and I'll say it again. I struggled a lot with that hope um, for, for a long time, but as I've invested in communities in, in Yob and communities like Yob, um, I have seen that, um, I am less anxious about what, what my life will look like because I can kind of look to my left and look to my right and see who's going to be there with me. Um, and I don't know, I don't know, yeah, I don't, I don't know what my life will look like. I don't know what, um, right. I don't know what my life will look like, but I know who's going to be there with me. And so it's, it's a lot easier to have hope. The other thing I'll say, and this, this has to do with relationships. Um, and I'd be curious to hear if you guys can emphasize, emphasize, if you can empathize with this, um, sort of progression of feelings, I just have a really hard time um, I, I have a really hard time just hoping for something and, and not letting it turn into more than hope. Um, so like I, I feel a desire for something for, for someone usually. Um, and that desire just, uh, very easily without, without me having to do much turns into hope. I hope for something from that person and that hope just very easily without me having to do much turns into expectation. Um, and I expect something that I hope for from that person. 
Um, and that expectation very easily without me having to do anything really turns into entitlement. And I feel entitled to something from that person. Um, and, and then I wind up in this very unhealthy place and it just feels like I didn't do anything. It's just, uh, the, this sort of like grew in my heart somehow. And, um, and I didn't, I guess I didn't recognize it and, and deal with it. Um, and so that, that makes hope very intimidating sometimes when, when it comes to individual people, like, what am I hoping for with this person? Um, because I'm like, well, you know, that, that hope just turns so easily into expectation and then entitlement. And then it's a bad, unhealthy, toxic relationship. And, um, I, the unhealthy, toxic relationship are very strong words, but, uh, but I, I think, I think you see what I'm saying. And I'm just curious if, if you guys experience the same thing. Or am I just, or am I just weird and evil? Ryan, you are so weird and evil. <laughs> weird and evil. <laughs> it's not enough to just be weird. You right, be while evil. doing it, yeah. You know, it's like, it's like, it's like Master Yoda said, hope leads to expectation and expectation yes, leads yes. to entitlement. I was tempted to do a Master Yoda um, accent, but we're not going to, impression rather, so we're not going to do that. Um yeah, no, and I mean, I think I think that's like something that keeps we keep circling back to in this conversation. It's like, what are we putting our hope in? And we're moving toward the the faith piece of this conversation of like our ultimate hope and the thing that is um, hopefully we're replacing ultimate hope because I I've been there time and again, and I don't know Ryan if you em- emphasize or empathize with this, Aaron too, but like the the more attractive said person is the more quickly that escalator goes from Ooh, hope to yes, expectation yes. to entitlement attractiveness or, or whatever they have, you know, whatever the, the pieces, whatever that, um, you know, that allure is in that person or in that relationship or that, um, the hope of what could be. Yeah. But, um, so yeah, no, you're, you're not weird or evil. Um, at least not in this area there, maybe there's other ones, that you are, but <laughs> in, not, not in this area. Like I, I resonate so much with that. And, uh, and on the flip side also resonate with, um, being able to look to my left and right and see other people doing this life you know, either with me in a, in a sort of literal sense, if they're with me locally or where I am, but like in a greater, um, existential sense, you know, with these other people in Yab and in the side B world, like, um, you know, I wrote down, I wrote down some notes today about just like this, this timeline going back to 2008, when I discovered that there were other people like me 2008. And then it's like, and then the blog network that I found shut down in 2013. So now back to despair. And then we started job in 2015, back to hope. And then we had our first retreat and revoice started in 2018, both of those in the same year. So more hope and then relationships shattered back to despair, you know? And so it's like this, this journey of connected with my sexuality that bleeds into some of these other arenas I know, but, um, but it's kind of constantly up and down hope and despair, which constantly keeps bringing me back to, gosh, I cannot like I can hope for reasonable things that I need in my life. I need friendship and I need love and I need food and water and shelter, et cetera, et cetera. But, um, but like, where am I putting my ultimate hope? Because people are inevitably going to disappoint me, going to fail me. I have certainly done that to people. Um, and so that's going to be an interesting, yeah, a little segue to make into the faith piece. But Aaron, I wanted to go to you to just make sure if you had any thoughts from Ryan's um, emphasization or uh, empathization, if you have any. <laughs> um, I resonate with with a lot of that as well. And I feel like it bleeds into all areas of my life. Like, I just keep hoping for things that are not realistic hopes or inspire a lot of control. Certainly, um, 
relationships, hoping for things that aren't probably even healthy for the person to give me, um, let alone, you know, unrealistic, but, um, yeah, but I, I agree. I think it all spirals into, into faith and kind of how I then reframe into faith. So we can kind of pivot into that if you want. Let's pivot. Let's take it there to close out the conversation. Yeah. What is, what is your hope level, your hope journey? Um, as someone who follows Jesus, which again, inevitably includes your sense of masculinity, it includes your sexual identity. It's, it's hard to divorce all of those things. So it's not explicitly just about your, your humanity minus those other parts that make you human as well. So it's, it is part of it, but, um, I'd love to just hear, yeah, how, how hopeful, despairing you've been in your life. Cause I know, I know for me, like going back to, I guess, middle school, like I was such a miserable little boy in middle school. Cause I had no friends, I was bullied, didn't have a healthy body image. It gets, goes back to masculinity. Um, before I came to grips with sexuality, I didn't come to grips with that until college, but, um, but there was just a lot of despair, just like, gosh, there's gotta be more to life than, than this. And like constantly looking at calendars, I would count down days until the end of school or days until next year, days until graduation, like years out. Like I would be constantly fixated on the future, like essentially wishing away years of my life. And, um, and throughout all of that, I mean, I think God, God absolutely was present. Um, cause I can just remember, um, when I didn't have friends, I journaled all the time and I would journal my prayers. And I feel like I had such a rich prayer life. I almost wish I could go back to middle school in a sense. I don't actually mean this Lord, if you're hearing this right now, I don't actually want to go back to middle school, but my prayer life back then was so rich because when I didn't have friends, I talked to God and maybe that's sad on some level, but I think it was also really beautiful in another sense. Cause I just spent so much time. If I wasn't journaling my prayers, I was, you know, praying my prayers out loud or praying, um, in my bed at night or what have you. And, um, and there was just kind of this, again, this existential hope for something more like, gosh, there's gotta be something more for me than just trying to survive getting through the day without being bullied or avoiding these people in the halls or, um, or wishing for graduation and just wanting to just close this book and move on to a new chapter. And I think, um, you know, I just, through all the seasons of my life of living on the East coast, living on the West coast, pre-yab, post-yab, mid-yab, wherever we are now in the yab trajectory, like, um, you know, situations, life situations keep rising and falling. It's something I'm starting to come to grips with finally now as a middle-aged man, like I'm starting to realize like, oh wait, life just keeps going up and down and there seems to not really be a stabilizing decade. Like that hasn't happened yet. I haven't felt that sense of like, everything's awesome for at least 10 years. You know, that would be a great, great thing, but that hasn't happened yet. And, and so then the question is like, what, yeah, what is the hope? What is the expectation? Because things are going to keep going up and down. Life situations are going to change. And, um, and I don't know, as I was thinking about this today, like, I just really want to go back to that heart of a little middle schooler when life was like, yeah, I was a lot sadder back then. I was a lot lonelier back then, but it was also so much more clear that my, my hope was in, in God and my hope was in Jesus. And that I had kind of a more, um, a way more intimate interactive relationship with him then than I do now, honestly, like it's not, um, it's not nearly as consistent, I guess, as it was my prayer life, scripture time, what have you. And so, um, so that's something that's part of my life. I think as I, as I process that realization that things are broken and they're not like getting better, so to speak, they've gotten better in lots of ways. Don't get me wrong, but like, there's always going to be a lack. There's always going to be a restlessness. There's always gonna be a longing for something more. And so what do we do with that? Where do we put that? Um, and I want to just consistently bring it back to Jesus and, 
and hopefully the heart of a child. I mean, I love that in scripture, the, like a heart of a child that goes straight to Christ's lap. I mean, I think that's such a, a fitting metaphor for, for where we should always be, whether we're 12 years old or, <laughs> or uh, older, let's say. I can relate to almost longing for the, the less pleasant times in certain ways. Um, which seems sort of, I don't know, like masochistic or something, but, um, it's true. Like there's, there's a certain beauty when everything's stripped away and all you have is Christ and you kind of like find out in that moment, it's enough to keep you going. Um, and it's really beautiful. I think for me, like the times of despair have been times in my faith when God has been most prominent in my life or the most tangibly present in different ways. Um, because generally speaking, my default has been in my desperation to like turn to God and cry out to him, which maybe is not everybody's go-to. Um, but I, I always found him like whenever I did that, he would meet me in those moments and nothing changed, but I still felt his presence. Um, I was recently rereading uh, The Weight of Glory. I don't know if either of you have read that, but um, mm. for mm. those listening, yeah, okay. For those listening, there is a book called The Weight of Glory by C.S. Lewis, and it is a collection of essays. And there's a specific essay in it called Weight of Glory that I think is like 25 pages or something. Um, but I ho- highly encourage you to just go in and read that whole thing because it just filled me with so much hope. Um But one of the things Lewis talks about is how uh, we we kind of are wrestling with this idea of like our desires being misplaced and misguided and what we're really after. Like, what is it that the gospel really promises us um, as we kind of think about our faith? Because it's easy to say, like, we're going to go to paradise or something or like in a big kind of abstract way. Um, the reward of our faith is going to outweigh the pain that it took us to get there. But I think really like meditating on what that is and what that looks like is very beneficial um, and stirs up a lot of hope. And that's where I think a lot of the importance of being in Christian community, being in scripture, being in the faith in a tangible way, like helps stir up that hope and we kind of help stir it up in each other. Um, but one of the the big themes that he focuses on, of course, is this idea of like someday being in glory. Uh, and he kind of debates what does that really mean? And, you know, if you know C.S. Lewis, you know, he just goes through these meticulous, beautiful um, philosoph- uh, philosophical arguments and gets you there. But uh, ultimately, what it comes down to is like we are to be in the presence of Christ and we're to be glorified. And this idea of like being glorified can feel very dirty um, because a lot of the connotations in our world is like that's fame or pride or esteem, things that, you know, the first shall be last kind of thing that Jesus talks about. So it feels kind of counterintuitive. But what he kind of comes back to is glory is being known by God, like being famous to God specifically. And so what our final reward is, is to know God and to be known by God. And I think when I sort of think about a lot of my longings, I can see that there's a lot of ways in which like, particularly with a spouse or something, 
like I want to be known by another human being, um, like relationally intimate with that person. And what's difficult about this faith walk of celibacy is I feel like I'm giving that up. Um, but like the end reward is Christ at the end and beyond that, like to be known by Christ, like to not have to be there and hear from God, depart from me. I never knew you, even though he's omniscient and knows all people and all things like there's a different knowledge, um, intimate in that. So I, I think a lot of my struggle with putting hope in the wrong things is not having a deep enough desire. Um, like he talks about this image of a kid wanting to just go on playing in the mud, like making mud pies because he doesn't even understand when his parents say, we're going to go on a vacation, uh, like out in the sea, like go to the ocean. And that's what I think we get caught up in so much. And in my faith, like that's what I've struggled with and letting God like break through and help us see that there's hmm. something deeper hmm. that we desire and yearn for and hope for. Yeah. I love, I, I love the weight of glory um, so much. And, and yeah, that, that idea that um, our problem isn't, isn't ever hoping for too much. It's hoping for too little. Like it's not ever wanting too much. It's wanting too little. Um, I'd say for me um, in, in that same vein of, looking forward to looking, looking, you know, on into the eternity ahead of us. Um, you know, I, I think that a lot of people struggle with, um, with this idea of eternity. I think it's a very intimidating kind of freaky, um, thing to think about. And I, it doesn't, it didn't really emotionally connect for me. Like why, what am I looking forward to exactly? Um, like, how is this, how is this something to hope for? Um, you know, I think for years it was like, okay, well, I'll, I'll trust my parents and my pastor that, okay, it's going to be cool, I guess. I just don't really know, you know, what, what, it, what that, what it means. Right. Um, and, um, I, I do remember like there, there came a time in my life when I realized, um, like, yes, I, this was, this was a huge like realization for me, like realizing like God, God likes me. Um, and God, God doesn't just love me. He likes me. Um, he, he could have created, um, you know, and anyone and he created me, like, why would he create something he doesn't like? Um, and he, and, and Jesus died on the cross and rose again to save me from, from my sins because he couldn't stand the thought of eternity without me. Um, and he wants to spend eternity with me. And, and like, you have to be really, really sure you like someone <laughs> to want to spend eternity with them. Right. Um, and so when I thought about it that way, I was like, no, like it, I'm, I'm excited for that. Like, I really, I really hope for that. Like it's going to be, um, like it, the, the, the being able to hope for and look forward to this eternity, um, with, with someone who really likes me, um, is, is a good thing to hope for. It's a good prospect. Yeah. And I'm glad eternity, it is kind of this big nebulous, like, what is that? Like how, what are we hoping for, for how long, how long is that? And, um, 
because we're so used to seasons of, of this life changing and dynamics and new people in our lives and old people departing and, and constant change versus like a consistency. Like the thought, again, I joked earlier about a decade of stability or a decade of good times. Like, like what about an eternity of that? You know, that's so, that feels so inconceivable. And I'm, I'll raise my hand as someone who hopes too little. Like, I just, I don't know what that means to hope for an eternity of bliss, an eternity of worship, an eternity of belonging, an eternity um, another big aspect I think of hope, which is mentioned in our description is this whole concept of lament, which is this, this grieving in something that's not true yet. It's something that hasn't fully materialized. And we, we have hope, we believe that it will happen, but it's not there yet. We're not there yet. And so I think that is a, a part of hope that maybe isn't as sexy or alluring or, um, bright shining star in the sky is this, this grieving, this, this, this sense of, um, of you know this outpouring that we're not where we were destined to be but we're going to be and and we have hope and to hope together is such a beautiful powerful thing i don't know if you guys remember or or care for the the animated film the prince of egypt but there is a there's a song in there and there's a lyric in in like the main song the song when you believe in the prince of egypt um there's a line in that song that has always jumped out at me it's like it's not like one of the main lines in the chorus it's kind of you'll miss it if you're not like looking for it but but the line goes though hope is frail it's hard to kill and there's this sense that like we believe as a human race not even as christians i think if you were to ask anybody like most people would say yeah this world is messed up or something's not right like we're not where we should be like there's something disconnected or we're disconnected or, or something's off certainly as believers we we believe that the world was created one way and sin has come in and it's now another way. And we're hoping that it, um, Ryan, you've, you've said it before you can claim this, this line, but it's like the sense that we, we started in a garden, but we're moving to a city and we're, we're moving toward this, um, this end game, this, this result that we're going to get to. And even though things get dark and confusing and weird, and it's definitely been a dark, confusing, weird couple years of the pandemic and everything that's ensued since then. But, um, but as frail and as dark and as dark as that star in the sky can get and as the clouds cover it, like it's hard to snuff it completely out. And there's something mm, about that mm. that I just really resonate with and cherish that even in the darkest times, like there is this, like I just have to believe that God's still present and he's still doing something and he's going mm -hmm. to save the day as, uh, yeah. as it goes. And that reminds me of the other thing I wanted to mention is that um, – when it comes to matters of faith or, or talking about hope, hope, the hope we find in faith, I, I have so much of an easier time hoping for things that are really far away, like eternity. Um, because like the, there's no stakes, right? Like, you know, um, I can, I can just hope for it. It can give me a warm, fuzzy feeling. Um, and, and I just say, well, it's far away. Um, who, who, there's there's not like this impending sense of like if this doesn't happen then i've been wrong about everything um ver and so that's in contrast to i think i think god does have things for us that he intends for us to like experience in this life and that we we can hope for in this life um you know jesus there's one moment in the gospels where Jesus is talking to the disciples and he says, um, you know, anyone who's left their, their family and their land and, and their job and, and left all this stuff to follow me, they'll be, 
um, compensated tenfold in this life. He says in this life, I don't know why he says in this life, but he says in this life, it's like, do you, do you know what you're promising Jesus? Like you're, you're, you're giving me something that's like falsifiable, right? Um, like, uh, hoping for something in eternity that's not falsifiable. Um, but like in this life is something that's like, there, there's stakes there, you know, um, where he can be wrong about it and you can know that he's wrong about it. And, and so I've struggled with that before. Like, yeah, I, I can hope for the next life. Um, but I just have such a hard time hoping for the, the few things I think we, we are given reason to hope for in this life. Um, and this kind of comes back to that, this question that, that comes up for me over and over again, like, what can I hope for? What can I hope for in this life? Um, the question isn't, isn't so pressing for me for like, what can I hope for a long-term, like in the next life, but in this life, what can I hope for? And yeah, I mean, great questions to ask. And I think what I love about this episode is that we're not necessarily fully answering questions. It's like, it's, this is a great episode for people to ask their own questions about what are you hoping for in your life? What are you hoping in other people? What are you hoping in your sexuality? What are you hoping in your masculinity? What are you hoping for um, on this side of eternity? What are you hoping for on the other side of eternity? Um, I would love to hear yeah, what what people are hoping for. Something that I've, I've started to process, only just started processing uh, yesterday actually, um, is how all of these values, like they're values that, that people can gravitate toward and hold to and they're virtuous and there's all kinds of stories that are attached to all of them, especially after being in a, in this community for, for seven plus years now. Um, but something that's also cool about these values is that they also represent God himself as well. And actually just in church yesterday, um, it's, it's so fitting. I love it when, when stuff like this happens. Um, my pastor was was preaching from Mark 12, which uh, includes the parable of the wicked wine dressers, which is not a popular one. It's not one that I've like gone to again and again. Oh, the, the wicked, wicked wine, wine dressers. dressers. Love that one. That's, uh... <laughs> it's like it's not like a, it's not like the Good Samaritan or uh, the Prodigal Son. You know, classic oldie but a goodie. Like you don't really hear about the wicked wine dresser. The wicked wine dresser was my nickname in college. <laughs> <laughs> feels sort of like a clickbaity title. Like I, I want to go read that parable now. Go to Mark 12. Yeah, go to Mark 12. It's it's about this story about a man who buys a field, buys a vineyard and employs these tenants, these wine dressers, and he goes off to a far country. And um, and then periodically we'll send people to the wine dresser to retrieve some wine. And every time he sends somebody to the vineyard, the, the wicked wine dressers beat the men beat the servants, beat the people, sometimes kill them um, as well. And and furthermore, the man keeps sending them. He keeps sending his servants, keeps sending the people that he trusts to go to the vineyard, even though he knows this is happening. He keeps sending them there to the point that he finally sends his beloved son, the last person that he can send. And he sends his beloved son to the vineyard and they kill him too, along with the other people that they killed. And um and my pastor said a line that I think will stick with me for a while. It definitely sticks with me for this episode on hope. But um, but he said, our God is endlessly hopeful. Um, he's hopeful mm, that mm-hmm. eventually his people are going to get it. They're going to understand. Um, they're going to see him for who he is. They're going to love him. Um, and obviously that story is so representative of um, of like the prophets and, and sending people to Israel and, and ultimately sending his own his own beloved son, Jesus, um, who was killed by the people. Um, and it's just like, 
like God, he, he said like, God isn't crazy. God isn't stupid. God knows exactly what he's doing. And God is endlessly hopeful that, um, that his people are going to see him, they're going to receive him. Um, and I just find that so beautiful that, um, yeah, despite all the calamity, despite all the, the awfulness and the injustice of this world, um, that he's still active, that he's still present, that he's still with us. And, um, I don't know. I just want to live in that hope that, um, that if I have to be, if I want to be hopeful, like God, God is hopeful too. And he's demonstrated that again and again with his patience, with his people, his patience with me. Um, and I think his patience for, for all of us, his desire to be in relationship with all of us, I think is, um, something to take great hope in. Some years ago, I placed my hope in a home. This house would have four, five, six bedrooms, a few bathrooms across multiple floors, a room for guests, a long yard with a fire pit and a tree house, a view of the mountains from a balcony porch, a cat or two, maybe a Labrador, maybe a secret passage behind a swiveling bookcase wall, but I could be less picky about that. More than the aesthetics of this future home, it was the people inside that stirred my deepest longings, that sparked my greatest hope. A group of men attracted to men under one roof. Men following Jesus together the best that we could. Men who could be a support to one another as our 20s and 30s turned to 40s and 50s turned to new decades upon new decades. Our prolonged singleness and celibacy, perhaps not made easy, but certainly made doable. So very doable. A lifetime of convictions with a way to carry them out. But then seemingly out of nowhere and yet also coming from a mile away, my hopes were dashed. A hope that once felt as real as tangible as the coming tide, as the breeze on a mountaintop, the swirl of a sunset. That sky turned black, and beyond whatever faults I could place on other people, friends, brothers, I realize now, with some years of perspective, that I obviously misplaced my hope. My hope was in a household, was in a family, which in and of themselves are not bad things, but Jesus was a secondary thought for sure. And maybe not even secondary, whatever levels come after that. I think I rationalized it back then by saying, Jesus, provide this for me, this home, this safety net for the next five decades, and then I'll fully trust you. I'll believe that you do indeed have longevity in mind for me. Not just survival in this life, but an overabundance of life. An overabundance that would flow out of my life into my friends' and brothers' lives in that house and into all the guests that would stay with us. Maybe future housemates in waiting. I have this big grand vision of hope on this side of eternity and for years now, I've been back to square one, or square negative one, it often feels like. I feel
feel this new tide of anxiety for the next five decades that maybe I didn't feel some years ago. And I'm wondering now, maybe obviously, but wondering nonetheless if God simply wants me to bring that anxiety, that certain hopelessness sometimes, all to Him. That He wants to be that ultimate hope in my life. And maybe at some point in these next five decades, I will have a home. I guess I'm learning the differentiation between hope and expectation of specificity, like a certain color in the sky, a certain shape of cloud, versus the promise of sunrise. Henry Nowen is a personal hero among so many in your other brothers and the greater side B world. His words tapping into something that feels like a collective shared groan and also a collective shared smile. I love what he had to say about hope. Now it says this, when we live with hope, we do not get tangled up with concerns for how our wishes will be fulfilled. So too, our prayers are not directed toward the gift, but toward the one who gives it. Ultimately, it is not a question of having a wish come true, but of expressing an unlimited faith in the giver of all good things. Hope is based on the premise that the other gives only what is good. Hope includes an openness by which you wait for the promise to come through, even though you never know when, where, or how this might happen. And so, fellow sparrows, when your hope shines bright in the night sky, and when the luster feels lost in the gray, when hope is tangible, breathable, washing over you and within you, and when expectations leave you high, dry, wondering how long and why, may you hold unswervingly to our ultimate hope, this hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful faithful as the rising sun, the glowing moon, stars twinkling from eons away and generations past, here and now, even when we cannot see or feel the light here now. Our most sacred hope, Jesus, walks with us through valleys of shadow and death. He is here now. And let us remind one another often of this hope we possess, this hope we profess, lighting our path coursing in our veins, twinkling above and within us. May we reflect his light to those who struggle to believe it, struggle to see it, our brothers and sisters and a searching world alike. Let us step forward today, now with our ever-present hope, Jesus, hope above all earthly hopes, our ultimate expectation delivered forever with us, forever resolved, forever ours. And I'm just thinking about how hope like brings us into some really hard situations because we're we we have we have this like star that we're looking toward that we're like, okay, this situation is gonna 
could be really hard, but I, but I have this hope that, that something, something good is going to come from it. And then hope brings us out of a lot of really hard situations, brings us through them and out of these really hard situations. So I'm, I'm loving kind of the, the image of the, the guiding star that we sort of look toward and follow. Indeed. The guiding star. If you guys want to check out the guiding star, go to yourotherbrothers.com slash values. You can check out um, the artwork there um, and check out everything we have to say about hope. And I really do. I really do want to hear from our listeners, from you guys listening. Um, what do you hope in? What do you hope for? Uh, and take that any and all directions that you'd like. I'd love to hear a story. If you want to leave a comment on our blog, you can do so at yourotherbrothers.com slash podcast. Find that episode 101 post on hope. Um, otherwise, y'all know what I'm about to say. If you want to call the Yab line, call the Yab line. Tell us a story about hope or despair um, or anything in between. Um, what do you hope for? Uh, what have you hoped for? What do you struggle to hope for? Um, yeah, it can be a, a gruesome, but also lovely, wonderful conversation. And, and so I just, um, this is an awesome one to kick off, to kick off a series, to kick off a year. You know, I'm looking ahead to 2023 with, with a lot of hope. And I think um, to kind of tie a bow on that, what do I hope for? I think Brian and Aaron, for that matter, like, I don't know, I think God is in a process and I think this is going to be a lifelong process spoiler alert i don't know that i'm going to figure this out anytime soon but it's like holding things loosely this really just it's such a christian that is such a christian cliche of holding things loosely but um but truly whether it's humans whether it's relationships whether it's a living situation physical belongings like holding things loosely like being grateful for what it is for for when it is but then trusting again that's where the hope piece comes in which is easier on some days than others but trusting that if that were to go away or feel taken away or den or diminished or what have you like that God is still good and that God's going to um, provide. And, and that's, again, some, some days the sky is clear. Some days the sky is quite cloudy, but, um, but whoever you are listening, know that you're not alone and we're here with you and love hearing from you guys looking forward to this next stretch of episodes, how all of these values intersect with you. Ryan and Aaron, thank you for kicking it, kicking it off with us. Mm -hmm. Of course. Thank you, Tom. Absolutely. It's a pleasure. You'll be back. You'll be back in this series. You'll be bouncing around. Thank you, stars. All the stars in the sky. Not just the one, not just the hope star, all the other stars too, um, for sponsoring this episode. Ryan was going to say something funny and then he changed his mind. I was just saying to sponsor this episode, uh, all the billions of stars and the trillions of stars in the sky each chipped in just the the tiniest, the tiniest little trace, faint photons weight of currency. Mm. I'm so glad I went back to you for that. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. Absolutely. All the billions and trillions of stars, how many they are. Any scientists out there, if you want to give us an exact number of stars, I'm sure somebody has that answer. Please let us know. Uh, we'll be back. We'll be back quite soon for our next episode. Someone teased it, but yeah, humility. We'll be talking about the value of humility next and why that was also one of the like first values to make it in the pool, make it into the mix. Um, I'll share more about that next time. So Looking forward to continuing this series with all of you. Thank you for coming back in 2023 for all your other brothers. 
This is Tom. And this is Ryan. And I'm Aaron. Still reminding you that you are not alone. Even the sparrow finds a home. See you next time, everybody. Bye, friends. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Your Other Brothers Podcast. Our show is edited and produced by Thomas Mark Zuniga. We'd love to hear your story. Comment on this or any of our episodes at yourotherbrothers.com slash podcast or share a story to play back on our show by calling us at 706-389-8009. You can also email us at podcast at yourotherbrothers.com or write to us at Your Other Brothers, PO Box 843, Asheville, North Carolina, 28802. If you enjoy our show, consider rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Your Other Bros. Finally, if you'd like to further support our storytelling, community building efforts, consider becoming a Yabber. Yabbers pledge monthly on Patreon and receive perks like bonus podcast content, regular group calls with fellow patrons and authors, and more. Visit patreon.com slash Your Other Bros for more information. Until we journey next time, we're glad you're with us.